This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and a welcome to another episode of Strong Side Fridays. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer, getting ready for a wild card weekend and playoffs. You're kidding me? Playoffs? We made it to the playoffs? Raheem, we're here. We made it. Yeah, I mean, it's finally here. 18 weeks of the NFL season. We had our best week 18 ever. It was so exciting. So hopefully we can get into it and give you guys some winners going into the playoffs. A a lot of games that I'm really excited to see. Yeah, really easy format today. We got six games this weekend. We're going to break down five of them. One comes Monday night. We got our first ever Monday night football in the playoffs. Raheem and I are back Sunday night to recap. So we will cover the Rams-Cardinals game for you in that one. Otherwise, we're just going to do all five games today. Matchups, analysis. What are angles we like? I got a few props along the way here. We'll hit you best bets at the end just to wrap up what we thought. And for futures today, we're going to do a look ahead, uh, a look ahead on what we, who we think we're, is going to win the Super Bowl at this point. So don't forget, as always, odds are from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. Nothing fancy today. We're just going to go through five games right in order, just like they'll come on your schedule. So let's get down to business and get to the playoffs. Let's get down, let's get down to business. So let's get down, let's get down to business. Let's get down. First game had to be the first game. Raiders Bengals, the first gamiest first game. Like we always get that AFC Saturday afternoon, like kind of like stretch and slumber. Oh yeah, playoff football. Let's wake up to this one a little bit. That's how this one feels to me. Bengals are five and a half point favorites right now at BetMGM. The Raiders are plus 200 on the money line, total at 49. So not a matchup that we really thought was going to happen coming into the season. If you had told me coming into the year that we had Bengals Raiders, I would have said, did uh, pandemic just mean that we put every team into the playoffs or like, how did we get here? So Raheem, how did we get here? How did the Bengals or Raiders show up in the playoffs? I mean, the Bengals, they've been one of the best offenses in the league down the stretch. So they deserve to be here. I mean, obviously, they beat Kansas City at home. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have just been dominant. And then when you look at this Raiders team, they've been very resilient. You know, you lose. You start off the season well. You're, you're, you're five and two. And then you lose John Gruden. You lose Henry Ruggs III. You, you have Darren Waller out for a significant period of time. And it looks like your, your season is in the dumps. But then you close the season winning four straight games, all in which you were underdogs, except for the game against the Cleveland Browns, where the Browns were pretty much ravaged by COVID. So that's how we got here. Yeah, it's been a weird season. The Bengals, I guess, feel less surprising just because it became clear as the year went on. They were the class of that division in the AFC North, not the, not the finest division, but they're the team that deserves to be here. I can't believe we've got two teams from that division. We'll come back to the Steelers later. The Raiders, though, are just a zig when you think they're about to zag team the whole season long. You know, the John Gruden thing and Henry Ruggs thing both feel forever ago, but not to that team. Like, 
this has been like a soap opera, seeing how that team played out. Rich Basaccia done an awesome job taking over the team midseason, getting them here. Both these teams have been in one-score games all year long. Both of them, I think if you play out this version of the season a bunch more times, the Raiders, in almost no scenario, are the five seed. Like, this is this is the best version of what seed the Raiders were going to get. The Bengals, I think you can speak a little bit more for them. But both of these teams are bottom half of the NFL in DVOA. Both of them are bottom half on offense and defense. The Bengals look a little better, but the Bengals have played a really soft schedule this season. Uh, they've actually played, faced the easiest defensive schedule in the NFL. So that's part of why the offenses look so good. Raiders are 7-2 and in one-score games, 4-0 in overtime games. Last four games, they just won all of them to get into the playoffs. 4-0 in, again, close one-score games there. So it this feels to me it's a little bit of a playoff appetizer. I, I'm not watching this game with an eye thinking like, all right, who's going to emerge as a team that can really make a deep run here? This is like, who's going to get the playoff win? We, not, we never would have expected either one of these teams to do it. The Bengals are on the longest streak in professional sports in America right now. January 1991, the last time they want to play a game. Houston Oilers. It's, it's, it's a franchise ago. So it's a good spot for the Bengals. Do you think that they get the win here? I think it's so funny that you mentioned this stat around the Bengals. No person in the history of the world <laughs> sent the text message about the Bengals winning a playoff game. So that's how long they haven't won. There's some sharp money all over the the Raiders in this matchup. The Bengals actually blew this team out 32 to 13. But when you looked at that game, these teams were pretty equally matched. You had the Raiders coming out actually scoring first. This was a this was a 10 to 6 game going into the second half. The Raiders kind of beat themselves with some penalties, which they've been doing all year long. But you look at the Raiders, they outgained them in yards, they outgained them in passing yards. It's just the turnovers beat this team. So They've really found something with Renfro and Darren Waller back. When you look at the, the Bengals, they really have struggled against solid passing offenses. That's the t- time that you want to fade this team. Since week nine, they're 31st in NFL and yards per play allowed. So I think that the Raiders are going to find some success. This Bengals team has played the 31st ranked schedule. This is really a good spot for the Raiders to actually get within the number. And I think this is a closer game and more exciting than people realize. Yeah, I, I agree that it's a good spot for the Raiders. I think that November matchup is giving us some value on the number here. Bengals closed that one as one and a half point road favorites, 32, 13 final score. But like you said, it, it was close. Most of the way those Raiders turnovers, you mentioned they came late and they came when the Raiders were trailing and pressing and that's going to happen. You know, like I rather a team go for the win and when you go all out for the win, sometimes you lose by a bunch. We had that happen a bunch this season, but it was 13-6 in the fourth quarter. So I, I don't really take a ton away from that game. I certainly don't take away from that game. All right, let's bump this line up in an extra four points. And just because the Bengals are at home here, you know, the, the fans are going to come out. It's going to be a, a fun environment for sure, getting their, their playoff home game there. But I worry about the Bengals' offensive line. Joe Burrow was sacked 51 times this season. We don't know, too, if Burrow is fully healthy. You know, we haven't seen him. He he got hurt right at the end of that huge win against the Chiefs. And then we didn't see him since then. He should be healthy. But this is a dude coming off the ACL tear. This guy that took some time to get up to full speed at the beginning of the year. So there is that question mark. I'm not super worried, but 
It's another reason to maybe be a little hesitant about the Bengals. The right side of that O-line is going to be in trouble. Max Crosby, Unique Ngakwe have been really rushing the passer well this year. That game against the Chargers, they were just in the backfield all night. Like Justin Herbert was a king just to, just to keep them in the game as long as they could with those guys in his face all game. So uh, I agree. That's a nice matchup. Darren Waller, I agree, is going to cause some problems. Um, the other thing, too, neither pass defense is reliable here. So I think that that the door is going to be wide open. Like this game is not going to be over. Whatever happens early, either team is going to be able to pass the ball. Um, Last game, Jamar Chase and T Higgins, only five catches for 47 yards. But I'm curious with the Bengals, we saw a very run heavy team most of the year and a big reliance on Joe Mixon. The Raiders run defense is pretty good. Their pass defense, not so good. The last two games Joe Burrow played, the Bengals passed a ton. They went very pass heavy and we saw Chase and Higgins have huge games. Do you think that that was a matchup play or do you think that was a change in philosophy and, and the Bengals will stay so aggressive passing? It's tough to know with Zach Teller. I'm going to be honest with you. It's really tough for me yeah. to know, but I think the Raiders will be fine either way, because when you look at the strength of the Raiders, that's their pass rush. They're eighth in, in ESPN's pass rush win rate. And we know that this Bengals offensive line is, is truly a struggle. So, and then like you said, they're able to stop the run as well. So you look at ESPN's run stop win rate, the Raiders are ninth. So we know the last game got, a, got away from them, probably why you're seeing this total actually drop. So we've seen the, the Bengals go over much of the season, and this total's dropping from 49, and there's 48 and a half in the market. So I think this is a game in which the Raiders can actually show up defensively. I think that they'll have a chance there if that pass rush can get home. You know, I think they played 90 snaps last week after an emotional win, emotional home stretch, emotional season for them. So I do worry a little bit. Could, could they just tear out by the end of the game? So I, I do worry about that factor a little bit. But also the Raiders for the season have been a top five EPA team in the fourth quarter. They're, they're a strong finishing team. Derek Carr has always been a fourth quarter type quarterback. So I just think this game is going to be live. I, I think that neither team is going to get away from it here. Both teams will be able to, whoever's behind will be able to pass and stay in it. A good stat here, since 2003 per Action Labs, home favorites of seven or fewer in the wildcard around are 14, 28, and one against the spread. So only covering 33% of the time. We're giving a little too much respect to these home teams here in the, in the division or in the wildcard round. And remember, for most of those games, that's excluding the one and the two seeds. These are the lesser home teams, and it, it, we're giving too much credit to home field. So oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, look, look. If you just go back to 2017, road dogs in the wild card round are 14 and two against the spread, and for four straight years, an underdog of at least five points has won outright. So these underdogs have had a ton of value, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we're seeing declining home field advantage in the NFL. So. Five years ago, home foot advantage might have been worth three points for everybody. That's no longer the case. I think that's why you're seeing this spread come down. A lot of the sharp money is on the Raiders. There's a reason for it. And it's it's come hard and it's come early. I honestly, I think even at plus five, five and a half, I think there's some value here. Yeah, I'll take the Raiders five and a half. I'm gonna sprinkle the money line at 200 just because 
that's it implies that the Raiders only win this one in three times. I think that's low. I think it's much closer to 50 50. I'm not going to go too hard on this game. I feel like I could wake up Monday morning and you could tell me the Raiders won a close game. The Bengals won a close game. Either team won by 10. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I understand how we got there. Like there are a lot of outcomes here. So I don't want to go too hard. But if all those outcomes are on the table, you got to take the odds and take the points, I think. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. All right. So another possible short road dog. We've talked about that all season. Saturday night, a little bit of a better game here. We talked about this game on our last podcast, kind of a kingmaker game, but this is going to really determine more what the AFC playoff picture looks like. We got a divisional rematch. New England goes to Buffalo. We saw both of those teams. We saw them play each other twice down the stretch here. We had that windstorm weird Monday night game where the Patriots eked out the win. Buffalo came back and got the big win in New England. After that, the Bills are four point favorites at home here. Total at 44 points. Buffalo. Big Super Bowl hope for the season. New England wasn't necessarily expected to get here, but this is a division matchup. Anything goes. What do you think about Buffalo or New England here? You said this might be a better game, and I have to beg to differ because (laughs) we're looking at some bad weather. There's not a ton of wind in this matchup like we saw in that Monday night matchup, but we're looking at about a high of seven degrees and a low of minus two. So... I don't know if that's conducive for a, a great game. And last time these two teams played, Josh Allen, he was dominant. Threw for 314 yards, three touchdowns. He scrambled for 64 yards. And he was able to, to go out there and just and beat this, this Patriots team. But I think Belichick is going to have something up his sleeve in this matchup. Got to deal with Stephon Diggs. And you got to deal with Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. It's Belichick. It's, it's tough to count him out. but. For me, I, I think this reeks of a lower scoring game. When you look at these low temperature games, typically you don't you just don't have guys slinging the ball around at will. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I agree with you. It definitely, uh, it, if if you are not to call you a casual, I'm not. If you're a casual fan, I think the earlier game will be better. It's going to be a higher scoring game. We're going to get points back and forth. If you're just a diehard playoff football baby, that's where I feel like Saturday night's going to be good. Because I think it's going to be close all the way. I think it's going to be low scoring, run the ball, smash mouth. Like if you thought that first Monday night game was a fun, good football game, you'll think this is a good fun football game. I thought that was good. I, I enjoyed watching it. But yeah, the weather, I agree. The weather is a factor that helps New England here. The weather always helps the underdog in almost every case because it limits the scoring. You're, you're limiting that those big plays, those passing down the field. We already know both these teams are defense first teams. The Bills defense have been awesome all year. The Patriots have had some ups and downs, but been mostly very strong all year. The last time that these guys played, the defense wasn't as strong. There were, I think, something like eight or nine drives of nine plus plays with these long drives keeping the ball. With bad weather, with cold weather, you got to run the ball more. And that favors New England for sure. Buffalo's pass defense, awesome. And I'm not excited about Mac Jones passing into it. Five interceptions the last four games, under 60% completion. But if if the run game is a bigger factor here, Damian Harris had over 100 yards both games against Buffalo. Buffalo's run defense is beatable. And I trust New England's run defense better. A thing you like about New England here and just in the playoffs in general, they finished the season top 10 DVOA, Run offense, pass offense, run defense, and pass defense. 
They're not awesome at anything, but they're good at everything. And in the playoffs with Bill Belichick, that makes you so dangerous because you can bend the matchup. You can find that one weak spot and really attack it. And the Bills' weaker spot is running the ball and defending the run. And the weather sets up the Patriots to do that really well, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. I'm, I just the, the one concern that you have to have is Mac Jones. And I think you mentioned that he hasn't been playing well. And not only has he not been playing well, it's like if you go back, if you look at his numbers over the last couple of weeks, I think he's 23rd in completion over expectation, 16th in EPA per drop back. So he's not a guy that I think Belichick is, is just going to go balls to the wall with like he's Tom Brady. So I'm thinking that you're going to get a more conservative game plan from this team. And the defense knows they're going to have to step up against Josh Allen. So to me, I mean, when you look at this, this weather, there's going to be opposing views on this game because we saw how Josh Allen was super successful in their last matchup. And 44 is a, a low total. To me, I tend to lean towards the under in this matchup. If I, if I had to pick anything, I think we're, we're just going to see a lower scoring game. I think the play is the first half under. Mm. There's some 22s in the market, 22 and a half. I think at Sugar House, I think that's what I would go with because I think Belichick knows that we got to come into this game a little bit more conservative. We don't want to throw Mac Jones out there and then make a mistake. So I'm looking first half under. Yeah, I like that play. I, I lean under as well here. I think it's going to be low scoring. It's going to be close. And the longer it's low scoring, the longer it's close, the more pressure that goes on the home team. The Bills have the higher expectations. The Patriots are playing with house money at this point. And Bill Belichick really is a good coach, obviously everywhere, but especially as an underdog in the regular season, 30-15-2 and two against the spread as an underdog for Belichick. 67% cover, and that's by six points a game. So we just We've seen it this year. We've, we've talked about it with Belichick in some of these marquee games against these high-flying offenses. He just knows how to grind everything down. And the cold weather helps that, and the playoff atmosphere helps that. Belichick is 61% cover rate against the Bills' lifetime, 32-11 and 11 straight up. We just talked about short road dogs. That's been a trend all season. That's a trend in the wild card around 67%. I like a couple of props here. I like Damian Harris. You can get him at a few books. You can get him to go for like 80 yards plus 240, 100 yards plus 520. You know, I love my alternate overs. So, uh, you know, he had 111 and 103 yards in his two games against the Bills this year. And he had four other games at 80 plus two. So I think he could have a big game grinding it out. Josh Allen, over 39 and a half rushing yards. I like that one too. I might look for an alternate. He had 64, like you said, last game. And if the Bills do win, I think Allen's legs will be a big part of it. Uh, a key matchup here is the Patriots love to play zone usually, but last game they played a ton of man. It worked very well stopping the pass. The problem is there's nobody left to stop Josh Allen from running, and that's why Allen really did some damage last time. So that'll be an interesting chess matchup is it, do they go back to the zone where they can hold Allen back a little better, or do they go in man where they cover better? And Diggs is, is a big deal too, just because he's so good that way. So. My angle is those two props. The other one I like is this. I think, I think the right angle is a Patriots to win here. You can get the Patriots to win by one to six points at plus 430. New England's not going to blow them out here, I don't think. We're expecting a low-scoring thing. We're expecting maybe a fuel goal win or something like that. Maybe the Pats win by seven, depending on how things go. 
Josh Allen to make a mistake. All is a risk there. But a Pats win six points or less, plus 430. I think you're going to really get a price on that number, considering all what we're saying of this cold weather, low scoring game. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about this a bit later, too. I think if you like the Patriots here, I think you look at their AFC odds or Super Bowl odds, too, because the path is much better for New England the way it opens up. Chance to play Tennessee in all likelihood next week. We've talked all year about how they are a beatable team. Belichick against Vrabel. So I like the Pats here. I don't love them. It's going to be a very good, close game. Good if you're a diehard fan. But I like the Pats to win a close one, maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> all right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and then hit Sunday's games. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in in Virginia. That sync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Sunday. We've got two NFC games, an AFC game on Sunday. We start out in Tampa Bay with the defending Super Bowl champions. The Bucks are home to the Eagles, eight and a half point favorites right now. Total is at 45 and a half. I like the Bucks in this matchup. First game was a, a bit of a fluke. First things first, the Eagles, what they like to do. They like to run the ball. They have the highest run pass ratio in the league, 52% to 48%. Bucks run defense has dropped down a little bit. They're still fifth in EPA per play. They're allowing just a 38.1% success rate. So I think the Eagles are going to have a tough time running the ball. And when you look at this Eagles defense, what do they struggle with? They struggle with stopping quarterbacks who throw the ball down the field. Tom Brady made easy work at the Eagles. 34-42 pass with 297 yards, two touchdowns. And he led the Bucs to a 28-7 lead. And until 547 left in the third quarter, they had this game under control. And I think it was just a it was just a kind of a fluke thing where they took the, the yep. foot off the gas and the Eagles scored 15 unanswered points to cover. And also there's the Bucks road wolves. They really have struggled on the road. And that's not the case in this matchup. So I like the Buccaneers here. Yeah, I, I love the Bucs here. I think it's a great spot for them. I agree that that October Thursday night game, 28-22 final score, but you, you just can't go by that. This was a blowout. The Bucs were never in trouble. 
399 yards to 213 yards. They basically doubled them up. 40 to 20 minutes time of possession, doubled up again. Eagles had a touchdown after a 45-yard penalty. They had a touchdown after a 50-yard penalty. So basically, that was their first two touchdowns. Otherwise, this was headed towards shutout. So Tampa Bay penalties kept the, the Eagles in it, but they weren't really in it. Like, the, the Bucks were in control all the way. You know, I played the Eagles a lot the second half of the season. I, I, I was in on their run-first identity. And as I dug into it, getting ready for this one, the question that we had to ask ourselves is, did the Eagles really become a new, different team the second half? Or did they just stop playing good teams? And I, I think it's some of both. I think it's much easier to adopt a run-first, run-second mentality when you're winning. If you're ahead, you get to run the ball. If you're playing the box, you might not be ahead. And if it's 21-7 and you're the seven, you don't get to just keep running the ball. This is your season on the line. So look, you know, three and six for the Eagles to start the year, six and two to finish. The six and two came against Lions, Jets, Giants twice, Washington twice, Denver and New Orleans. These are not good teams. These are not teams playing this weekend. So sure, six and two against them. But the Eagles finish 0-6 against playoff teams. Uh, average loss by 12 points a game, one in five against the spread in those games. This was the only cover, and it really shouldn't have been a cover. It it came with that garbage scores late. So, yeah, I I think that the Bucks' run defense is going to be fine here. They actually were top three EPA over the last month of the season, so they had a bit of a swoon but bounced back. Tampa was five and one against playoff teams. They've won seven of eight. They're getting their guys back healthy. I'm not that worried about the Bucks. Coming into the you know the playoffs, it feels like a bit of a low point for them. I think they're just coasting. They played garbage teams for the last three weeks. They treated it kind of like just a a run up to the playoffs. And honestly, I think they might treat this one the same way. I don't really expect the Eagles to be on this one too much. Yeah, I think one of the things about the Eagles is they've only beaten one team with a winning record all year long. That's the New Orleans Saints. That's yeah. the only team that they've beaten with a winning record the entire season. Look, a lot of people are going to look at no Antonio Brown, no Chris Godwin, and think, oh, this Buccaneers team doesn't have a lot of weapons. But what have I been saying forever about Tom Brady? Tom Brady is like Alonzo from training day. You give him 18 months, he'll give you a career. It doesn't matter who he's throwing to. Like, we've seen this guy make careers out of everybody, and he still has Mike Evans. He still has Rob Gronkowski. He can make Tyler Johnson a thing. Like, whoever the rest of these guys are that he's throwing to, it doesn't matter. Tom Brady is the he's the elite guy. They're going to go out there and be able to score some points on this Eagles team. I think this line is short. I agree. I think it's short as well. I like Bucks eight and a half. I think that line's going to rise by kickoff. If you can get it now, it's a great teaser spot also because you're going to get it under a field goal there. I think we'll get to the Chiefs game soon, but a Bucks chiefs teaser is appealing to me. Basically, just you got the two teams we knew were the best all season long, just taking care of business against, frankly, two non-playoff teams that are only here because we started allowing seven seeds in. Sorry about it, Pennsylvania. But, you know, there are two teams that are clearly the worst teams in each conference. So I like the Bucs. Sunday afternoon is the big one. That's the one I'm excited about for really for the whole weekend. I know you're excited as a Dallas Cowboys fan. Cowboys are at home taking on the 49ers. Man, it feels like the 90s. We saw a ton of good Cowboys Niners games year after year in the 90s, usually twice a year. We get regular season again in the playoffs. We're back. The Cowboys are a field goal favorite. We talked about this game a bunch earlier in this week. Both of us were big on the 49ers. 
Are you still on the 49ers here? I still love the 49ers. I think this is my favorite pick of the week. Look, I mean, this Cowboys offense, they've been struggling since Dak Prescott returned from injury in week nine. They just haven't been the same offense. Look, they're scoring 28 points per game, which is, I mean, solid, but they're just 16th in EPA play, 21st success rate, 19th in dropback success rate, and 27th in rushing success rate. They're going to have to deal with this 49ers defense, which is second in EPA per play and second in success rate. They have a dominant pass rush. Look, the, the Cowboys, we know they want to establish the run, but we've seen a decline in their rushing offense. The Seahawks, they went out there and they put up 190 yards rushing on the Cardinals, and the Cowboys couldn't do anything. And then I look at the other side of the ball, 49ers are going to be able to run all over this Cowboys rushing defense. They can get home without blitzing, which is a major key. And we noticed 49ers secondary has been a little bit leaky, but they're not going to have Michael Gallup to have to do it. That's one less weapon. So 49ers secondary getting healthy. I really love the 49ers in this matchup. Jimmy Garoppolo has quietly been the better quarterback than Dak Prescott. He's bested him in EPA per wow. play. He's, he's bested him in completion over expectation composite. Success rate. He's better there. He's better in completion percentage. He's better in football outsiders DVOA. Nearly every single metric is telling you that Jimmy Garoppolo has been the better quarterback. And I know Jimmy Garoppolo has had some issues with some turnovers, but Dak Prescott hasn't been getting it done. And this 49ers offense is six in EPA per play and ninth in success rate. I like the 49ers plus three, and I like them to win this game outright. Yeah, that, that is a lot, but it's really hard to disagree with any of that. Uh, I, I think just to be clear, I think you're not saying necessarily that Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. He just is playing better football right now and certainly is playing in a system that elevates him a lot better than what the Cowboys are doing. Dak has not looked the same since coming back from that calf injury. You know, the Cowboys had two big national TV games down the stretch there against the Eagles and against Washington, put up a ton of points, throw, the, throw them out. Those games meant nothing. The Eagles are playing their backups. Washington is basically playing their backups with all their COVID guys in. You can't look at that and be like, oh, okay, Dallas offense is fine again. Dallas, the first six weeks or so before Dak got hurt, before the run game started to fall off, totally different offense than they are right now. And I'm not sure they're going to score a ton of points in this one or throughout the playoffs. The run game hasn't been good. Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Pollard both are playing injured right now. So where it looked like this great one-two attack, it's kind of neither one of them is really showing up right now. The other thing too, I love Dallas as a possible sleeper here, not in this game, but coming to the playoffs if things bounced right because Micah Parsons, Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, th that defensive line can take over games and dominate them. However, what's the best antidote to a strong pass rush? It's running right at them. And that's what the Niners are going to do. That's why I love how they match up in this one. Trent Williams looks like he's healthy. That's a huge, huge get for the Niners to get him back out there. You got George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk blocking. I love when they do the Debo Samuel runs because you end up like sweeping from the side and the running back on the field ends up blocking. So you get an extra blocker beyond the fullback and the tight end and the dominant line. And I think that run game, the power run game right at the pass rushers and then the misdirection to throw off the pass rushers. I think that's a real matchup advantage in the Niners favor. And it's a way to negate the best thing that the Cowboys do, which is rush the passer. Number one, pass defense DVOA. And it's because of those guys up front. So I, I love the matchup here for the Niners. As the week has gone on, I have gotten a slightly more hesitant, and here's the reason. 
I think the Niners dominate time of possession. I think they dominate, they run the ball, keep the ball moving. However, we know Jimmy Garoppolo is a flawed quarterback. We know at any given time he can go all Carson Wentz. And with the pass rush, all it takes is one or two times for that pass rush to get home. One or two, a strip, an interception. Trayvon Diggs has been a big playmaker all year. The Cowboys defense has been big at just making plays, pulling things out of nowhere. Cowboys offense, I don't trust them to go on these big, long drives. But I do think I wouldn't be shocked to see the Cowboys pull out a win here on the basis of just like four or five big plays, one or two huge defensive plays, couple big passes down the field and a game where they only have the ball 20 minutes. And we're like, how, how do they pull that off? The Niners dominated. And I, I could see those big plays going Dallas's way. So I still like 49ers here, but especially dropping to three. I wanted the three and a half. We hope the line would go higher. Do you think the line's going to move up still? Or is Dallas just going to sit there at three? I think, Three might be the right number. I mean, look, you have certain books right now that have three minus 120. So I can see them going up to a three and a half. There is one three and a half in the market. But I mean, for the most part, I think this is staying at three because I think the sharper money is going to be all on the 49ers. And I think you're going to have the public money all on the Cowboys. But I, it's just you mentioned Trayvon Diggs. And although he has the reputation of this elite quarterback because of the interceptions, he really hasn't been very good. He's just 90 of out of 91 quarterbacks in pro football focus with 300 plus coverage snaps and yards allowed per target. So Cowboys are 26 in yards allowed to opposing wide receivers at nearly nine yards of play. So you can expect a big day from Debo Samuel. And they also not very good at covering tight ends. So I think this is a game in which Jimmy Garoppolo can shine. I know we talk a lot about his interceptions, but when you look at how he's played in the clutch, let's go back to some of these games. Yep. He led the potential game-winning drive against the Green Bay Packers, in which they took the lead. They just left 30 seconds for Aaron Rodgers, and that's all he beat to get into the playoffs. He led the game-winning drive. Even when you look at the game against the Titans in a game in which you could say he probably didn't play well because they probably should have been up 21 nothing in, in the first half, he actually led the game-tying score to tie the game in the fourth quarter. Titans just drove down and kicked a field goal because there's just not enough time left. And then you look at the Cincinnati Bengals. He led two game-winning drives. To me, Jimmy Garoppolo has been, I hate to say it, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league this season. You lead four potential game-winning drives, I got to trust you, regardless of what the reputation says. We know they're going to be able to run the ball. So I'm, I'm all over this 49ers. But I do think you made a great point because turnover swing games. And we know he is turnover prone. Yeah, the, the numbers back you. The numbers show Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, on the EPA and completion percentage over expectation, Garoppolo's been at or near the top of the charts pretty much all season. So it, it's, again, it's not a vacuum. You're playing with those other 10 guys. You're playing in Cal Shanahan's system. Right now in that system, Garoppolo's getting the job done. He just is. The numbers tell the story. Shanahan as an underdog has been really good. And Mike McCarthy versus Shanahan Big advantage to Shanahan in that one. So that's definitely a spot too. I, I lean under here. I don't trust the Cowboys to go on these long drives. I think the Niners chew up clock with their run, and that makes the game a little bit shorter. I do worry a little bit too about that Jimmy Garoppolo, the thumb. We saw the slow start last week. It seemed like he took a shot at halftime and, and kind of cleared up later. Maybe gets that early, but then does he slow down late? I just, I could see a lot of ways where 
We just don't get a ton of scoring in this one. We get a sloppy football game. I kind of wouldn't be too surprised here, too. I'm excited for this game. It's the one non-rematch of the weekend. I wouldn't be shocked to see one team either side just dominate the game and and get like a 14-point win or something. So that'd be another way to go under if one team just kind of doesn't show up and doesn't get a ton of points. So I, I lean under. I like Niners. I want the three and a half. If I can get above the three, I like the Niners a lot more. At three or less, I still like them, but I think a lot of the value is gone then. Yeah, I, I, I could definitely see that. I think one of the things you mentioned was the under, and I think that's interesting just because you have two teams who are going to run the ball so heavily. And we know the 49ers are going to soak up a lot of clock. Like Even when you look at the, the second half of that, <laughs> that 49ers-Rams game, it felt like the Rams barely had the ball. And I can easily see that happening to the Cowboys. And we all know the Cowboys want to establish the run. If the 49ers go up two touchdowns, this game's going over though, because we know that the Cowboys can get aggressive. I don't really have the fear of one team really going up a couple touchdowns, but I think when you have a team going up a couple touchdowns, that's when you see, all right, we got to air it out. And yeah. that's the last thing that I really want with this Cowboys team because they're proven. I mean, they're not exactly Brandon Staley, but <laughs> Mike McCarthy is, is going for it on fourth downs at this point. So yeah. I, I do agree with the under, though, just because of the pace of the game and how these teams are going to call the game. Well, we are mostly on the same sides here. I think on all four games so far, let's have our last one here. Easily the least interesting game of the weekend. Steelers Chiefs in Kansas City. We literally just saw this game less than a month ago. We didn't need to see it again. It was 36-10 a month ago, and it wasn't that close. It was 30 nothing mid-third quarter. At that point, Chiefs were up 380 yards to 123. Like, these teams are not just in different weight classes. They're playing different sports right now. Roethlisberger can barely, like, First and 10 is a Hail Mary spot for Ben. Like he can't even get it to the 10 yards down the field. It's check down city, these little dump offs over the middle where the Chiefs defend really well. The line is banged up. Najee Harris got banged up last week. Didn't get a ton of carries. So I'm a little concerned there. Uh, I don't know that the Chiefs are this offensive juggernaut like we knew in the past, but their defense, I think, is going to get the job done here too. I don't see the Steelers having a big chance. The Chiefs are minus 12 and a half, so it's a big line but I like the Chiefs anyway. The Chiefs dominated this team a couple of weeks ago, 36 to 10. Mahomes, 23 of 30, 258 yards, three touchdowns. And they didn't have Travis Kelsey. While Tyreek Hill was just blanketed by the Steelers secondary, like Mahomes is just good enough to get the ball to everybody else. Byron Pringle caught six passes for 75 yards, two touchdowns. We, are, we know Hill and, and Kelsey are a little banged up this week, but – Really what it comes down to is what is, what is the Pittsburgh's offense going to do? I don't think they're going to do very much. Obviously, they're 23rd in EPA. Yeah, they're 23rd in EPA play. Big Ben, it looked like it's time for him to go home and be a family man. This is a matchup that nobody wants to see. But from a wagering perspective, I'm wondering if this is too many points. Because Pittsburgh does have a solid defense. When the Chiefs aren't playing a, a non-Raiders team, they're not scoring very heavily. So. Tomlin in these spots as an underdog, he's 45, 23, and two. I'm not sure if I can do it, but I think if this line gets up to 14, <laughs> I think you kind of got to have an appetite for the Steelers. I'm not going to do it, but there, there has to be some sharper money on the Steelers. Yeah, look, I, I've, I've won a ton of money on the Steelers this year playing that Tomlin underdog spot. Like, I feel like every single week I'm on here talking about Tomlin underdog. The thing is, though, if you take that stat that you said, it's totally right. But if you look at the splits, 
way better when the Steelers are at home and way better when it's a one-score game. This is the biggest underdog spot for Tomlin or Big Ben in their career. So this, I just, I don't know that that number works. You know, as much as I took the Steelers an underdog all season, when I got to this game a month ago, I threw it out and took the Chiefs anyway, because it's just, it's a mismatch. They're just not playing the same sport right now. Even like the way the Steelers made the playoffs. Again, like you said, I, I kind of wish for Steelers fans that that field goal on Sunday night had not gone in and that the Steelers could have just had it right there, ready for a deep playoff run. And we just didn't get our chance. I feel like that would have been a much better ending. The Steelers beat the Browns and the Ravens, who are not good. Both teams just like in shambles at the end of the season. And they got a Jacksonville over Indianapolis and they got that Raiders escape just to get here. The worst team in the playoffs. We said this before. I got damn Reno vibes here. 62 to seven against Jacksonville. His last time we saw him playing, we saw Drew Brees last year. I think they're going to, uh, the Chiefs are going to put Big Ben in mothballs. And I think the Steelers <laughs> fans are going to wish that that game ended in a tie the other night. I think it gets ugly. And even I agree that it's getting to be a lot of points. If it gets to 14, I'm still not on Pittsburgh. I maybe I back off of playing the Chiefs then, but I'm not going to switch sides because even if it's close late, we know they're going to try. And Big Ben, at any given moment, is one three-yard check down, pick six away from the Chiefs covering anyway, even if they kind of struggled the whole game. Double-digit favorites in the wild card round since 2003, 5-0. We don't get a ton of them because, again, Normally, if you're as good as the Chiefs are, you're on a bye week. So what we have here is a team that should be on a bye week as a two seed, but the playoff format changed. And a team that's a seven seed and shouldn't be in the playoffs at all, but the playoff format changed. So neither one of these teams should be playing this week. One should be resting for real games. One should be getting Ben's name signed on the retirement paper. Get him a nice, you know, get him a good plan. Make sure we get him a nice spot in the nursing home because I think the Chiefs are going to send him there. I wonder if this is the sports book saying, look, we, we, we don't want you to pound the Chiefs. We yeah, don't. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Every, it feels like everybody and their mother would bet the Chiefs. So it's just like yeah. maybe this is a trap. And I think I'm looking at it now. The only game I can actually remember where a double-digit dog has actually covered was the Marshawn Lynch game with the earthquake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I think was a was, home game, too. And that was a home game. And that was Saints versus the Seahawks. That's the only one I can think of yeah. off the top. And following week, they got torched by the Bears. So it's, this just doesn't happen very often. Yeah, I, I honestly, I wondered what this line would open as. I thought it might be like a 10 and a half or something. And I was going to be ready to just pound the Chiefs then. And you're right. Then when it's a 12 or a 13, 13 and a half, then you're like, ooh, oh, that is a lot of points. And I, I think it's the same thing. I think the books knew if they put this at 10 or 10 and a half, it was just going to be a landslide of Chiefs money. I think it's just high enough to try to prevent that a little bit. but. I actually think there might be some value on a, a Steelers team total under. And I think the team total mm-hmm. is 16 and a half. The Steelers score 17 points, then probably cover. If they go over on the team total, then they probably cover. So if we think that the Steelers are going to not be able to cover, then there's also value on the team under. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's where, that, to me, yeah. that seems like a great play. It's just because we know the Steelers defense is going to be able to, slow down Mahomes a, a little bit. Yeah. What, what about two? I know you, you, this is not a typical teaser spot for you. So I want your opinion on it. So at 12 and a half, you tease that six points, you get under a touchdown. Now the Chiefs just got to win by a touchdown. Would you play that? Or is this just not a good teaser number for you? 
I just can't do it, especially with the low total. Like the, the total is yeah. only 46 and a half. So I, I don't think you're leaving yourself a, a, a huge margin for error. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I'm not quite swayed. I like it. So uh, let's get to our best bets here. We covered every game. Again, we'll do Rams Cardinals on Sunday night, a Monday morning for you as you listen. So one of my best bets, I just, I like the Bucks Chiefs teaser. I like Bucks and Chiefs both just playing the number. So I might actually just parlay the two of them anyways and just see if I can just get two better teams taking care of business against two teams that really shouldn't be here. But I think that the teaser, Bucks to win by a field goal, Chiefs to win by a touchdown. I just really have a hard time figuring out how did that not happen? Like, well, what is the diagnosis of how we didn't get there? I have a hard time with it. I like the Patriots to win by one to six plus 40 that we mentioned. And I love the Josh Allen 39 and a half rushing yards over. So those are probably my favorite bets of the weekend. I think I know your favorite bet, but what's your best bet from wildcard yeah, round? I'm going with the 49ers plus three, plus three and a half money line. It's an open order for me. It's my favorite pick of the week. Personally, I just, I, I don't believe in this Cowboys team. Look at the wins and losses. They lost a, a bad Denver Broncos team. They only were able to put nine points against the chiefs. They got torched by the Raiders over the second half of the year. Who have they beat? They beat the saints. They beat the Washington football team, the giants, the Washington football team again. They lost to a Cardinals team who had lost three in a row, and then they beat the Eagles practice squad. So it's like nothing that they did for this whole second half of the year has been encouraging. I just think they played a weak schedule. I know this is my team, and I would love for them to win, but I'm loyal to my bankroll. I think the 49ers win this. I know Brandon has a future on the San Francisco 49ers. I may actually add something to this, but I I think at this point I'm just going to roll it over um, depending on the matchup. But this week, I'm saying the 49 money line. Yeah, the number dropped a lot on that one. So I, I love the value we had from last week before they had secured the playoff spot. I, I agree. Rolling it over might be the better play on the Niners now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be a big dog in Green Bay if they win this one. And so you get a good number there, too. You mentioned futures. Let's wrap up here with our look ahead. Hot rock. Blue 17. Nice right. Ice cream. Jose. Blue the Raiders. So for look ahead, what we're going to do the rest of the season each Friday, we're going to do one pick each on the look ahead. And rather than looking ahead to a next game, we don't have them yet. We're going to look ahead and grab our best future right then. If you're a fresh better and want your best future right then to win the Super Bowl or conference, what's your favorite play? So is the Niners future your favorite or what's your future look ahead here? I'm, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go first and I'm, I'm going to give mine. All right. So I've got Niners in my portfolio. I don't love the number right now. I think the number has lost all the value. I mentioned the Patriots plus a thousand to win the AFC and made their case a little bit in their game. But a lot of times I get stuck playing these futures where the number was too long. And then I look really good and it gets shorter down to the plus 400 and I lose anyway. So I'm going to take a future that I think actually has a real chance of winning. I'm going to take the bucks plus 800 to win the Super Bowl. I just think the number is too long. I would make it around plus 550. So I like how the schedule shapes up a lot here. So we talked about the Bucs. I, I think that they dominate the Eagles. So it's, it's as close as you can get to a bye week spot other than the Chiefs playing the Steelers. And then after that, we like the Niners against the Cowboys. If the Niners win, they go to Green Bay. And now Tampa gets to play either the Rams or the Cardinals. And we both are ready to fade those teams. Whoever wins that one, I will not like that team on the road in Tampa against a defending Super Bowl champion. So suddenly... You get the teams that the Bucs have a harder time with. They're on the other half of the bracket in that case. The Bucs roster is loaded. Their guys are getting healthy enough. They basically have to take a month off at this point. 
if we get to the Super Bowl and the Bucs are favored in any matchup there, we saw them beat the Chiefs last year. Uh, I like them against any other team. I think they're favored in any game unless they have to go to Green Bay. I don't love Tom Brady in the cold in that spot, but I don't mind them against the Packers. Um, Brady's basically been a coin flip to make the Super Bowl the last two decades. So, But this number has gotten too long for me, and I think they have a real chance. They'd be my my third favorite to win the Super Bowl right now. So at plus 800, that's my look-ahead future pick right now. I'm going to go with the Chiefs, and I think BetMGM has the Chiefs at plus 500. I actually took them. We're, we're doing a futures draft with the Action Network, and you'll see that article coming out soon. But when I look at the Chiefs, I actually have them power-rated third. And a big part of the reason why I like the Chiefs at plus 500 is because they're essentially getting a bye week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know there's no such thing as a bye week. and You still got to go out there and beat these guys, but this is as close to an easy victory as you're going to get in the first round of the playoffs, where it's just you look at the other teams. We get an upset between the Bills and the Patriots. Mm -hmm. We're looking at the Chiefs going into Tennessee. There's not too many people out here who would have Tennessee home favorites over the Chiefs. So you, you run the risk of the Chiefs and the Bills winning, and maybe you have the Bengals or the Raiders going to Tennessee, and then you have a matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills. But the Chiefs will still be home favorites over the Bills in that matchup. So I don't believe this is the same Chiefs team that we saw get dominated by the Bills earlier this year. I think this Chiefs office has gotten better. So you're looking at a team who's going to be favorite in any round of the playoffs outside of the Super Bowl. So I think the Chiefs have value at plus 500. Yeah, I like it. That uh, There, to me, are four teams with positive Super Bowl value right now, and it's the three I mentioned, and then the Chiefs are the other one. We kind of made a similar case. We, we took Both of us took the two seed that's been the favorite all year long, basically the loaded, talented teams, and there are two seeds that, gets essentially a bye week by facing the easiest opponent possible. I like too about the Chiefs. Yeah, the way that the the schedule breaks for them, the two teams that I would be hesitant picking in a Chiefs game, at least would make me really think about it, is the Bills and the Patriots, and they're going to knock each other out. One of them is out after this week. And if it's the Patriots that win, then the Bills are out, and that removes that one. The Chiefs might have to play either one of them. The Patriots could lose on the road, and the Chiefs just get you know a path where they might not even face a team top half of the league in DVOA, the, you know, before the Super Bowl. And so, yeah, I, I think the schedule broke really well for them, the way that the bracket came out. I think it's a very similar argument we made for both sides. After all that, after 18 weeks of games, after all the crazy upsets, where do we come back to? Chiefs, Bucks, the same teams that we all thought coming into the season. So we'll see. I, I agree. The number has gotten too long on both of them. So I think it's a good spot for each. Sunday night, we'll wrap up all five games, talk about what we saw. We'll be talking about new matchups already. At least a few of them will be set. We'll preview the Monday game. And then, of course, Stucky and Raybon will do their six-pack and hit all the games for that week. And Raheem and I will be back next Friday as well and talk about all four games for Division Weekend. Don't forget, if you haven't yet, please rate and review the podcast on Apple and Spotify. I think I saw we're over 100 reviews on there now. So give us those five stars. Give us the feedback. Uh, don't forget to listen to Buckets, our NBA podcast. Raheem and I are on there with a few other guys and giving you lots of NBA action day after day going forward. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Hour podcast. Enjoy your weekend, and we will see you in the playoffs.